Buddy-ears. That's what we're talking about. He was complaining that the headphones make his ears sweat. And I said... That's not public broadcasting. And I said he doesn't need any headphones to make his ears sweat. They do very very well on their own. What can I say? I'm kind of hot. Yeah. You're all right. (laughs) (laughs) Happy New Year, everyone. Or gloomy New Year, if you're, you know, black-pilled like us. Really? I think we're, I think we're what the kids call black pilled. We need a new, a new color. I, I'm not sure of the lingo, but did, maybe you tell us, peeps watching. Um, black pill is like <clears throat> where there's, there's no, there's cynical. no hope for saving the situation. Cynical about everything. Yeah. Is, is that all, or is it more specifically that there's no solution? Yeah, which is sad cynicism. Okay. So a gloomy New Year to our fellow black pilled <laughs> followers. <laughs> no. We're upbeat. Well, yeah, you know, there's reasons to hope. Yeah. On a personal level. Hope for... Um, what? Who knows? Um, well, the big news already. They're here, Joe. Who? The aliens. Let's see them aliens. Come on, let's see them. Miami, didn't you see the news in Miami? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was... I, I'm going to confess here, Joe's, Joe's outing all my stuff, so I kind of fell for that initially. It's because you want to believe you're like Spooky, yeah, yeah, yeah. spooky Mulder. Yeah. I want to believe well, it's real. This woman had this really convincing presentation about it. And she didn't look like someone who lied. And her name, like her handle is Auntie something. She's like a nice auntie. And everybody believes it. your auntie, yeah. You don't want your auntie to like <coughs> look in the camera and lie to you. I know. Well, that's Twitter for you. <clears throat> it's the internet. TikTok probably she posted initially. But yeah, it was, yeah. we saw it on Twitter. But... Yeah, that was... Yeah, it was... People don't know, probably don't... Maybe most people don't know what we're talking about. Or they don't know what we're well, talking about. probably do, yeah. It's got a lot of chatter. Has on, it? Yeah. On, on and the now social. it's got... Like, the, the incident itself did get media coverage, contrary to what the conspiracy theorists claimed, which... Oh, they're hiding this. Um, and now it's got more... Actually, the Daily Mail's having, getting more clicks out of talking about it now because it's become an online conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's been used to kind of... Laugh at conspiracy theorists, basically. Primarily. Yeah. That's what really gets... Anything, yeah, the media likes to... When they get an opportunity like that, you know, when conspiracy theorists, quote-unquote, put their, put their foot in it and, and, and you know, go off half-cock type thing, uh, then they get smacked by the media. Um, so it's always... It's always always, impo- always appropriate or sensible to, uh, to doubt um, any initial claims. Don't jump at anything because, you know... Ryan's just if someone says it, huh? Yeah, just sorry. Just because someone says it, you don't. Uh, you shouldn't believe her. I mean, even if she's no. Anti- well, you've got a brain of your own, right? So I should have known the eyebrows were painted on. Suspect, you know. Yeah, Ryan says black pill means it's over. It's over. That's that's beyond us. We're not like we're, we're more like it's the end of the world as we know it, but there is no end. Mm. There's never an end. Even when you personally die, it's not the end. So. Well, it might be for some people, but <laughs> um, yeah. So there is no like it's over. Um, anyway, yeah. Jump on it. The salient lesson from oh. that is: don't be jumping on any anything that you see on social media. Even don't jump at anything that you see on, on mainstream media. You know, certainly you shouldn't. Uh, you know, obviously you should, you should question mainstream media and stuff. Uh, no matter what they're saying, you should do your own research all the time. But I don't know that's. 
that was tantamount to a crime, at least during the COVID era, you know, was flirting at the edges of being a criminal act of doing your own research. Um, but you should always do that um, with the mainstream media, obviously, but particularly with um, hot takes on social media about, you know, some outrageous claims. Outrageous claims need outrageous proof. <laughs> um yeah, or or need and need a lot of proof, you know. So just go and find it yourself. The don't re- don't jump. Maybe your advice was sound. We should just recap it. The, the, the story was on New Year's Eve in downtown Miami. Uh, in fact, not a story because you can see it at least from a distance. About a hundred cop car, cars arrived on the scene. Um, <coughs> it was um, reported as crowds of juveniles having fights. Mm-hmm. Juveniles, yeah, it was definitely teenagers. Uh, like swarms of them. That happens a lot these days, especially in American. A swarm of teenagers. Huh? That, that's what they do. They swarm the yeah. place. Um, but so, why so many cop cars? Well, they they were got a call that it was shots fired, but mm-hmm. it's New Year's Eve, so the kids were carrying fireworks and shooting them at each other. Yeah, yeah. So and in a mall, uh, where there was in a lot, mall, where spilling, were, then spilling outside with a lot of other people, and then a number of those people in the mall are going to call the cops and say, I've heard shot fires. Because everybody's super primed in America for active shooter situations because there have been so many. And the cops, of course, are drilled all the time in those active shooter exercises. Yeah. So when they get the message, they get a couple of calls, a few calls within, or from, from different people, come in that uh, there's an active shooter, well, then they just go activate active shooter protocol, which is send, send everybody... Everyone. All the cops, because you don't know how many it is, you don't know how why, you know the extent of the problem, and you sent put co- uh, helicopters up in the air and all that kind of stuff. Um, so this woman on social media was saying, "Isn't this really strange? This is ridiculous. I've never seen so many." Blah blah blah, which was like, and I was like, "No, if it, I just I took a few minutes just to uh, inform myself or appraise myself of the facts of the situation." And uh, whenever she said they were shooting fireworks at each other, and she's like, "She's so stupid, Auntie, that she didn't realize that she couldn't put that piece together with." That where she said that they were shooting fireworks at each other, that was the outcome of it effectively. But obviously, that would provoke, likely, highly likely to provoke someone to call the cops and say and mistake that for shots fired. And if here, the cops just hear anybody saying shots fired, then it's they can't just go, nah, it's just probably some kids with fireworks. No, they can assume that there's, you know, some bunch of shooters with or a shooter or more with AR-15s gunning people down. So they go and so it was immediately understandable why there was that response from the police and she was saying it's ridiculous it's amazing I've never seen this before there's so many cop cars over fireworks kids with fireworks and sticks that's ridiculous there's something else going on here well here's what else was going on someone reported there was 8 to 9 foot tall aliens involved as well oh my god boom and then it's like oh she had other claims too she said that the power went out in downtown Miami the cops lost radio communications but you can't find I don't know where she got that from Mm -hmm. I heard somebody said it trust me bro um there isn't any... I'm not saying... Like, I mean, the thing is, we, you, Maybe for example, yeah. j- jumped out and thought, oh, this is it, because there have been other... Most recently, last year sometime, in Las Vegas. All over the news, actually, in-depth reporting on it. Uh, a family <clears throat> in Las Vegas who claimed they saw some kind of alien hiding behind one of their excavators or some kind of digger or some, some in the machinery yard. in their backyard, basically, with a, a, a gravel backyard. And a lot of them saw it and interviewed them all calm and collected and stuff. So, I think when a you hear cop them, came and saw it too. Right, a cop was there and there was a fireball in the sky at the same time. So, all a bit weird. 
And there was no, <coughs> there was no suggestion that was made up, that, that was somebody just going off, um, somebody jumping the gun. So, given that that has happened quite recently, then claims like this one made by Andy in Miami, you can see how some people would, you know, go, ooh, you know, maybe this yeah. is, it's reasonable to assume there might be something to it, but you always need to check we, into it a little bit. Yeah, we're having strange times. Yeah. So. Yeah. And again, like you said, it's like when Congress is talking about aliens and having hearings on aliens and, and David Grush and people like that saying, yeah, you know, there's been... People you know, are primed for biologics, it. Biologics, they exist. It. Exactly. People are waiting for it, so... And they'll probably get it. Will this they'll get th- to see them aliens. This year? No. Oh, come on. No, but... Uh, I'm getting old. The Yeah, those those kids on... Uh, the kind of LARPers on uh, on Reddit and 4chan and stuff like that, 8chan, whatever, who were, a couple of years ago there, were going to storm Area 51 oh, yeah. with the with the banner of Let's See Them Aliens. Uh, you know, you'll get to see the aliens, possibly, yeah? You will, at some point. It just might not be how you expect it. It might not be 8 to 9 foot, fo- eight, 8 or 9 foot tall, you know, kind of like video game aliens, the way people, you know, because <laughs> people have references to these things, right? Because a lot of, especially kids are playing video games all the time and there's a lot of video games with aliens in them. And they're expecting to, that that's what's Maybe like, so. they're already here. Maybe Klaus Schwab. <coughs> you will eat the bugs and be happy. Maybe. Maybe Klaus is an alien. You have to allow for all possibilities that they could be. I mean, if when people say we want to see the aliens, maybe you've already seen them. Maybe it'll be that, you know, Klaus Schwab and his minions are actually the aliens and um, they've been living for millennia. And um, I don't know, they live in holes in the ground or something like that. I don't know. Uh, who knows? You just have to wait and see. But the thing is, you can be open to what are any of those possibilities because you only have one answer to it. It doesn't matter what way they're presented. Uh, the answer to the revelation that there are aliens of some description among us should be, you know, fuck Joe Biden. <coughs> uh, screw them too. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a catch-all. Anybody who's here to save me or tell me what to do, uh, in the immortal words of Elon Musk, go fuck yourself. Is that clear enough? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's a catch-all and it, it means you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Because you know your answer is always going to be go fuck yourself. And using the, ha- using the, action, the hand gestures as well is important to get the point across. <laughs> <clears throat> we are here to save you from climate change and impending uh, <clears throat> global catastrophic disaster, Armageddon, etc. Go fuck yourselves. Is that clear enough? I like Armageddon. I like global catastrophe. I like global warming. I like climate change. I don't want you to stop any of it. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Leave my, you know, climate disaster alone. I and my ancestors have worked hard at producing that carbon <laughs> over, as we know, millennia, <laughs> particularly in the industrial age, to create the situation where you have global warming and climate change. We didn't do it for no reason. We did it for a very specific purpose. So leave it alone. I don't care what technology you have, leave it alone. Go back to wherever you came from. Good. And they better have Twitter accounts. Yeah. <laughs> the control, aliens. You control them. 
Yeah, I've got loads of memes already made <laughs> in anticipation, and I'll be very annoyed if I don't get used. Very upset. Um, so yeah, that's there you go. Aliens done. Go. Something odd did happen the next night, though, um, on Roosevelt Island in New York. That yeah. was reported, but not very kind of vaguely. Tremors, explosions at four locations. It's a small place, you know, in the middle of the river, I think, Hudson River. Mm-hmm. Um, then later, uh, the U.S. Geological Survey said, yeah, there was a 1.7 earthquake, but that was closer to like D.C. Mm. Washington's quite a bit ways from a very specific, not all New York, but just the island. So, mm-hmm. again, similar kind of reaction. Send in lots of cop cars, and all we see is footage of sirens overhead, but and lights, but hmm. uh, no follow up. That was a bit odd. There's no, there isn't even a kind of mundane explanation for it. Mm-hmm. It's just gone. Yeah, it's um, when there's it's when there's no eventual explanation, even that you have to go. Why did that just go away? Yeah, I'm sure if somebody was really interested, they could try and push forward and try and call the right people or call some people and ask, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, I haven't actually looked into it very much. Like, I mean, I know there was, yeah, it was either some people saying it was an earthquake, some people speaking it was a bomb, but people heard a loud boom, a loud bang, a loud rumble. Um, on the 1st, right? 1st January, was it? 2nd, I think it was the Second. night after. Yeah. So anyway, maybe it was the aliens, who knows? I don't know. So a lot's happened. Um, and yet, it all seems so much like just where we left off. Um, more of the same. More change. More changes. The more stays the same. Uh, so the tit for tat in Ukraine. Um, Russian military liberated Marinka, which was like a fortress town outside Donetsk. Mm-hmm. These last ten years. From from where the Ukrainians were shelling. Yeah, shelling. One of the places they were shelling in Donetsk city from. Um, that took a lot. That apparently took all of two years to do. It was it was kind of like Mariupol, a really, a place they dug in, like the Avostal industry um, sector in uh, Mariupol. Mm-hmm. Um, immediately, like within 24 hours, we've seen this before, um, a very like high-tech, Ukrainian airstrike sunk a Russian ship at a port in Crimea. Sunk? Practically, yeah. I mean, the, the Russians sort of downplayed it by saying it was damaged, mm-hmm. but there's, there's aerial photos. The ship was fried, gone. I think it's, yeah, hmm. mostly submerged. It's gone, it's written off. You can't just repair that. Um, which then became the kind of victory rally. Mm-hmm. That was the news. For that week. <laughs> but no, the news was Russia just linked, uh, but that was pushed off the screens, which is what we've seen before, where a high-profile strike uh, bigs up how well Ukraine's doing. Anyway, mm-hmm. that wasn't the end of it. Then there were major airstrikes uh, on Ukrainian targets by the Russians, mm-hmm. like like a big exhalation of it yeah. in, on successive nights. Which prompted another in the tit for tat sequence attacks against Russian civilians in, in Belgorod, Belgorod, and other border towns, 
which prompted the biggest barrage of airstrikes yet from the Russians. Um, in this case, they kind of lived up to the threat from a few months back of targeting key decision-making centers, so that was specific office buildings where they think mm-hmm. Ukrainian military and intelligence people are mm-hmm. coordinating this stuff from. Um, and Kiev's response was, we intercepted all 115 Kinjal hypersonic missiles, which the Russians said, no, every single one of them hit the target. Well, so. Ukraine generally you know, intercepts more missiles than were fired. Yeah. So um, you have to take that with a grain of salt. <clears throat> and obviously the evidence isn't, is that they didn't actually intercept a significant number of them anyway. Uh, a lot of them hit the targets. The targets intercepted the Russian missiles as opposed to Ukrainian air defense. Yeah. The targets themselves intercepted the missiles. Um, and Ukrainian air defense hit apartment buildings. Yeah, in some cases. Of which yeah. is video footage. Yeah, and then there were further... Ukrainians say it was Russian missiles. Yeah, there were further um, attacks then on, on attempted attacks on Belgorod. So basically, the, the worrying thing about that is that it's... <clears throat> well, or it says a couple of things. One of them says, and it goes along with over the past few weeks in particular, and even months, uh, noise coming out of Western circles, general, general, they're trying to contain it and not say anything explicitly, but it's that we're not supporting Ukraine really anymore. We're not sending them, we don't have any more missiles or weapons, whatever to send them, and um, Russia's winning, because there's a lot of articles in Western press about how we can't let Russia win. Russia is winning. Russia looks like if we don't, then Russia will win. That kind of noise coming out of the place, and, you know, Basically, Ukrainian manpower has been attrited over the past couple of years down to the point where they don't really have enough troops to actually um, effectively fight the same kind of war they have been fighting over the past two years. And also, um, the West has stopped supplying, has said they're not going to, or, you know, there's a whole battle in Congress and stuff and them not actually approving, as Biden, the Biden administration supposedly wanted, uh, approving another big tranche of aid, quote-unquote, which is basically ramping up production or, or finding weapons or producing weapons in America to send to Ukraine. Um, Scavenging, more like. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. What's left, basically, you know what I mean? Um, and I think they're not willing. They've pretty much exhausted their stock. Their, their, over the past two years, they've exhausted their, their older stockpiles of, of the weapons. They're pretty much done. And they're not willing to just basically now put American defense manufacturing at the at, uh, in service to Ukraine, right? They're not going to. They're not. They're not really willing to, you know, to turn it over to Ukraine for Ukraine. Basically, you know what I mean? Like where they would start building, having they're having to make new weapons, new missiles, new tanks, new etc., new uh, artillery, and send that directly <coughs> to Ukraine. The, I think the deal all along was we'll give you all of our old stockpiles once they're gone. We'll have to see. We're not about to, you know, make this a, a forever war type thing, you know. Uh, so it, it's hard to know what's on first. There is it. Is it that that's the fact, that, and that's what's causing the problem? Because obviously, if if, a mil- if the Ukrainian military isn't getting, getting enough weapons, they're not going to be able to fight a war, right? That's kind of over. Or is it that the over the, two, the past two years, the Russian military has attrited the uh, Ukrainian manpower down to the point that there's no point in sending a lot of weapons to Ukraine because there's nobody to use them. So there's two there's two things going on there, you know that, and both of them spell the end of of the war. Uh, not necessarily. They, they spell Ukraine's defeat, effective defeat or imminent defeat, but they haven't gone as far to actually declare it or admit it or accept it. And the only thing that's left then is what we've seen over the past um, 
uh, one or two weeks is taking the war to Russia. <clears throat> because that's a big thing. Like, I mean, they've attacked, tried to attack Belgorod, you know, with with limited limited effectiveness and limited limited uh, seriousness, let's say, that the Ukrainians attempted to attack Belgorod, which is the easiest target not far from the Ukrainian border. But these recent attacks have been more serious. Yeah. And also the, re- and the attacks on, on with the UK-made Storm Shadow missiles on Ukrainian, or sorry, Russian, the Russian fleet attempted attacks and one or two successful attacks on the Russian uh, naval fleet in Crimea and attacking Belgorod. It all says that, look, Ukraine has more or less isn't really an effective fighting force anymore. Doesn't have an effective fighting force anymore. Can't engage in the way it has been engaging up up till now. So we're just going to do standoff stuff, you know. Uh, and the Ukrainian, Ukrainians want to do that, but the Russians, or sorry, the Americans and the, and the West have a problem in that sense because that's that's a definite definite expansion of the the conflict to directly attacking um, Russia with Western weapons. You know, I mean, they're doing that. I mean, they've said they would not. The supposed agreement, gentlemen's agreement between the West and, and Russia was that they wouldn't use Western weapons, they wouldn't allow Ukraine to use Western weapons to attack Russia directly, except for uh, Crimea and the four regions in the east of Ukraine. And that's still fair game because that's technically not Russian, right? And the Russians go, okay, I suppose. But definitely no attacks directly onto the Russian, uh, Russian territory across the border. So with these significant attacks on Belgorod, that's a that's a step up, you know. And will they keep going? Will they be allowed to keep going? I don't know. You notice that the Storm Shadow cruise missiles made by the UK mm. have only been directed towards Crimea, mm-hmm. which was part of the agreement we're allowed to attack Crimea. Um, but there's a red line on <clears throat> any attacks. And there, obviously they could attack much more seriously attack with Western weapons if, if, they, if, they allow, if they allow them. If the West allows them, the Ukrainians to attack directly into Russia, I mean, they could fire, they could give them weapons that would potentially target Moscow or bigger cities um, in Russia. And the, Ukrainian, the Ukrainians under Zelensky are chomping at the bit to do that. They mm-hmm. absolutely want to do that. They love to do that. They're clamoring for that, you know. But there's an agreement. It's kind of funny. Imagine being a Ukrainian and realizing that you're supposed to be in a war against Russia, but the only reason you're fighting this war against Russia is because basically the West wants you to fight the war against Russia. And you're the one who gets smacked in the war, basically. And when you get really annoyed that you're, that you're getting smacked so hard and you're actually facing defeat, the West says to you, look, I know you'd like to see this as an actual war between Ukraine and Russia. And that in that context, you would think, well, it's totally ju- justified and legitimate for us to attack, attack anywhere in, in Russia. We should be able to bomb the Kremlin. You know, they're, they're, they're firing, the Russians are firing missiles at Kiev. Why can't we fire Rus- missiles at Moscow? Like, yeah, well, you know, you're not allowed to do that. It's like, what kind of war is that? Mm. You know what I mean? You must feel like a real asshole in a certain sense, or a real a tool in a certain sense, you know, that, that you've been hamstrung in that way, you know? Anyway. We'll have to see where it goes. Yeah. Um, you want to make a prediction about that? This year, I think it'll go away because something else will intercede. Yeah, I think that's what that's what it's building up to. Basically, that's the decision to no longer supply weapons to Ukraine. Okay, it could be to do with the fact that there isn't much in this 
effective manpower in Ukraine anymore. But they could have kept it going, I think, because there is enough to keep that going. But the decision and the excuse of, uh, yeah, you know, Congress is, you know, you know, not happy about continuing to supply weapons to, can't agree on supplying, continuing supplying aid and therefore weapons to Ukraine. I think behind that, there's some kind of a decision that there's something else this year, something more important. Um, in the same way the West wrapped up Afghanistan in July 21. August. What year are we in? Or, or, was it 21? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. August 21. And in hindsight, we see that was actually in preparation for focusing, you know, pivoting to Ukraine, which started in the end of that year, December, and then obviously into February and March of 2022. <clears throat> um, so when you see that kind of thing happening, when you see them wrapping something up, that they don't necessarily have to wrap up, and they're trying to wrap it up in a way that's vague. Yeah, nobody won or lost. And um, anyway, let's put it on ice. And uh, why? Because there's something else in mind, right? Middle East. Well, definitely that. Yeah, some something bigger going there. Certainly, if it kicks off there, Ukraine will be it'll be in the in, in the distant past. Really, you know, very quickly, it'll be forgotten about. Do you to a large extent? <clears throat> Um, do you do you think that Hamas is <clears throat> doing as well as some people? Alternative to. voices seem to believe the they band, are. The band's going to make the it. Gaza Strip, and that that is, for example, one consequence is that Israel has pulled out five brigades from the Gaza Strip. Mm. They seem to be drawing down on ground operations there. Mm. I don't know about airstrikes. Do you know of the airstrikes like? Dried up, to some extent, from what they had been, yeah. Okay. Um, and then, therefore, now also the ground operations. Yeah, it's ongoing, obviously. But yeah, yeah they, they pulled out five battalions there, uh, but we could go whatever and said that they needed rest. But that's unless he's really military. Maybe they are just not very robust. But that's you know a couple of months isn't necessarily. That long, you know, like the, the Russian, the Russians in, in Ukraine are doing like we're doing like you know six months at least, six months at a time or longer before they would get rotated mm. out. You know what I mean? So two, two, two and a half months um, isn't that? It doesn't really make sense. Maybe, but they said because they need to rest, right? But maybe it was re-diverting them back to 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 towards Lebanon for you know, to that border basically instead of Gaza because of some. Planned or anticipated um, escalation that may happen. Could happen. It could happen today. Like literally, it could happen know, today or tomorrow. Everyone, it could happen at any point in time. Everyone's waiting for the shoe <clears throat> to drop. Like so. Th- but well, the, three days ago, the two things happened that maybe speak to sh- a shift here. One is the Hamas deputy leader mm. droned in Beirut. Him mm. and. And then two the, other officials, Hamas officials. Oh, others died. Two other kind of senior Hamas officials and then a, a few other uh, associated people. Seven in total, I think. Um, like in the middle of like Beirut. a part of Beirut, that's, mm-hmm. that's Shia, Hezbollah mm-hmm. territory, you know. We can do this still. Um, obviously, that's like, I don't know, maybe it's not obvious. It's, is it escalation? Is it desperation? You know, it, it, people are... are convincingly arguing both sides of a coin to me. One is that it's the desperation of the Israelis. One is that it's um, strategic reassessment. 
not so much because we're losing militarily in the Gaza Strip, but because uh, in the court of global public opinion, we need this to go to the next level mm. to basically make the issue of Gaza go away from the headlines mm-hmm. so that, you know. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Now, I thought after, then they go, about, but no one knows. Officially, we're not supposed to know. In fact, no, we do know Islamic State claims yeah, right. they blew up 100-some at Soleimani's, at Soleimani's gravesite anniversary on the anniversary of his assassination yeah. which is clearly a signature that you know it's a warning yeah I mean um, it, it, it wasn't obviously it's <laughs> I mean how stupid do you have to be really um, I mean Soleimani Trump was Soleimani was fighting against ISIS that's what yeah no but I mean <laughs> how do you how, how stupid do you have to be to not to, t- to swallow the ISIS did the bombing in Iran on, on, on the anniversary of Soleimani's death like I mean what are they is ISIS fighting with Trump? Is Trump? I mean, Trump killed Soleimani. The U.S. government, the CIA, whatever, killed Soleimani, and they gloated about it and said it was great, wonderful, awesome. And then there's a bomb on the anniversary of his death. Uh, in the context of heightened tensions between Israel, the U.S., and Iran, right. who planted the bomb? Who plants bombs? The CIA plants bombs. The Mossad plants bombs. I mean, look in any look in any mainstream article about. There's, there's a there's a long list of admitted, maybe not officially admitted, but at least in the mainstream media, definitely pointing the finger at Mossad carrying out assassinations and bombings in Iran over the past 20 years. Mm. <clears throat> but ISIS did it? How stupid did they think we are? Like, yeah. ISIS claimed... You know, you know what ISIS claimed is? It's a phone call to someone... Some official person, I don't know, someone, maybe a reporter, maybe someone in government, whatever, someone who could get the message out. It's a phone call by some dude who says, uh, that bomb in uh, Iran, uh, I uh, represent the ISIS and it was me. Uh, I mean us. Uh, anyway, thank you. Goodbye. That's, that's ISIS did it. Or in the, in the internet age, it's Israeli um, private intelligence outfit. What were they called again? They would scour online and they would find the confession video to any given event. Yeah, what do you call that? Found it. Yeah. Intel something. Intel Center. Yeah. And it was run by an ex-Mossad agent. It's kind of silly. It's obvious. I mean, I don't know what kind of Mulan people have to live in to to, to believe ISIS carried a bombing in, in, in Iran. In this context, it was clearly... West agents of the Western governments who who did that, and it was done as a warning to to, uh, to Iran. You know, kind of a chilling effect in a certain sense. Because what does it say? Forget about the fact that it killed a bunch of people. That's almost incidental from their perspective, incidental to the message they want to get across, which is, and, and what they want the Iranian government to feel, which is that um, we have apparently we have free, relatively free access to your country to sensitive sites like Sol- Soleimani's uh, mm-hmm. grave. And to plant a bomb and kill a bunch of people. So maybe two bombs, even yeah, two bombs. So maybe you shouldn't Iran. Maybe you shouldn't feel so secure. Maybe you should stay in your box, basically. You know, right? Or we can cause a lot of trouble, short of war. At the very least, you have to be. You should be uncertain. You should be unsure about who's in your inside your country. But Iran was staying in its box. Yeah. After yeah, but Gaza and letting it hang itself. Intelligence chatter. Saying there might be some chains there, Iran is it to might keep be them in the box, of, or is it to force them out of the box? 
Well, I mean, obviously Iran isn't going to take that bait. They didn't take the bait. Soleimani was killed. Yeah. Like our top general was killed. But then we have a theory about that as well, that actually the Iranians turned a blind eye to the killing of Soleimani because Soleimani was effectively a bit of a loose cannon. He was almost like a breakaway. He, he was getting too popular. He was adored and revered, and he had too much power uh, compared to the actual Iranian, uh, the Ayatollah and, and, and the government, the, 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 the secular, not secular, non-military government. Uh, and they didn't mind him being removed from the picture because it removed a potential um, usurper, yeah, or, or a threat to their to their power, their dictates, in a sense, you know. Trump said four years ago, I did it to stop a war. Mm. And yeah. you wondered if he meant to stop Israel doing something stupid and no, or Israel to Iran. To stop, stop Iran doing something stupid under Soleimani. To stop Soleimani. Soleimani, like I said, being a wild card who would have done what everybody, all the anti, anti-West or people who are, you know, anti-Israel, anti-US pro-Iran, pro-Palestine in this particular competition or game here. Uh, the thing that all those people want uh, have been expecting the Arab, some Arab nations to do, someone at least to do something over the past several months that the Israelis have been slaughtering Palestinians. They want someone to like punch Israel in the face, punch America in the face. Mm. Well, Soleimani was your man. He probably would have done that. Yeah. And he would have needed to accrue enough influence and control within Iran, usurping the influence or power of, of the Ayatollah, etc., to be able to to do that, you know. Yeah. So that was the assessment of Western intelligence agencies. So they said, listen, this guy's dangerous, we need to get him out of here. Because for America, they do want to keep peace, generally speaking, in the Middle East. You know what I mean? They, they, they like it kind of like the way it is, you know. Which is obviously completely unjust, because mm. Israel gets to slaughter and bomb, uh, bomb and slaughter Palestinians, uh, with impunity, with the full backing of America, using American bombs. Mike Pence. No, uh, oh, jeez, I saw that. <laughs> Mike Pence was, signed a, was signing a bomb recently. He was over for a little trip to Israel and he uh, was signing a bomb. So, like, anybody who <laughs> thinks that, uh, who thinks that um, the US is some kind of uh, broker, peace broker in this particular situation with the Palestinians, uh, <laughs> Well, here's Mike Pence in Israel uh, writing some nice messages or something on a bomb that Israel will drop on Palestinian children. So, you know, it's pretty egregious. Like, I mean, that, I mean, Mike Pence was vice president, do you know what I mean, a few years ago. Yeah. And he's, a, he's still a big, big, big wig in the Republican Party, um, a mover and shaker. And he goes to Israel on the back of 20,000 civilians killed in Palestine and signs a fucking bomb. One that was probably, As a representative of America. Probably made in Pennsylvania. Hmm. And he's, so he believes that it's good because he's a Christian evangelical type who wants Israel to do it he's a Christian. to bring back Jesus yeah. so that the Jews he's surrounded by yeah. there will all convert to Christianity. At least that's, that's what, what he that's, says. That's what he's sniggering under his breath there, you know, when he goes and pays homage to Israel and says, you know, how close Israel and America is and how much he respects Judaism and that he's a Zionist and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, under his breath, he's saying, yeah, just wait till Jesus comes back <laughs> and all you Jews are going to be going to be under my influence. You're going to be under my shoe. We are the chosen people. <laughs> no, we the are. Jesus lovers. We're more chosen than you. 
let's <coughs> work together until one of us stabs the other in the back. Yeah, it's sad, like, the whole thing. Um, it's kind of what makes the world go round, though. Yeah. It's been a four-century-long chosen people race hmm. between, yeah. between the European powers, the Brits, the, exceptional, the Yanks, and exceptional then Americans, yeah. Jew, well, Zionist Jews. Yeah. Well, they're you know, birds of a flag, uh, birds of a feather, you know, they... Uh, America's the exceptional nation. They talk about it all the time. Yeah. And the Jews are the exceptional people. It's a match made in heaven, man. Or hell, or somewhere. They obviously, ideologically, they, they yeah. you know, we're, we're the best here, you know what I mean? We really believe that we're the best. I'm not just saying that, we really, really do. <clears throat> um, did you see Per, what do you call him? Lloyd Austin. Secretary of Defence, no less. Was, uh, he's in hospital. He was, but uh, well, yeah, yeah, he still still is in intensive care after an elective surgery, supposedly. This is in Politico, and apparently, the Pentagon. So this is the chief of the Pentagon, the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, is in goes for an elective, surg- elective surgery. There's complications. He's put in intensive care, and for four days, nobody tells the White House. Hmm. Um. It kind of exposes the fact that... Biden is clueless. Uh, they, they don't bother to tell him because why... Well, not just Biden, but the, whole, the White House in general. Unknown. Nobody in the White House knew. You know, I mean, your Secretary of Defense who's leading this conflict in the, in the Middle East, supposedly, or the potential conflict in the Middle East and all that kind of stuff, is taken out of the game. And it doesn't make any difference. It's so insignificant, you don't need yeah. to even tell the sitting government, the heads of the sitting government, that... He's actually <laughs> out of the picture, and actually he might not be coming back. We don't know. <laughs> nah, don't tell him. Because the you point need the, to know basis, and you don't need to know. Yeah, well, the point the point about it is that kind of ele- officials like him who are appointed with each administration and the administration itself, which comes and goes every four years, are largely irrelevant to policy making and po- not policy making, but actual policy enacting policy, which is you know it's uh, it's the permanent men- the permanent members of the military and the permanent members of the intel community who always have made all these decisions. And this is an example of why, of, of the fact that that's the case and how these rotating, you know, let's shove the, who's going to be the next pe- Secretary of Defence, who's going to be the next Prime Minister or, or President or whatever, the different appointees is, is largely irrelevant because they come and go every four years. That doesn't change policy. America has had a standing policy, uh, domestic, domestic yeah, more or less, and definitely foreign policy, that has not changed in 80 years. Regardless of what administration has come and gone. And, and every administration that has come and gone had very little effect on it. The only one that had some effect or potential to have some effect was the Trump administration. And you saw that, that, he, that, they, that they saw the actual, you know, the people who actually acted on the country, the shadow government or deep state, whatever you call it, they realized his potential to actually be the first president in modern U.S. history to actually do something, to actually matter, by the way they responded to him, which was to try and destroy him for four years. Yeah. From, not only from, not from just when he was, when he was <coughs> inaugurated, but from about six months before that, when they started uh, attacking and defaming and smearing him and attempting, attempting to kind of like make him ineligible first for the, to win the presidency. Then once he actually won... They just started the whole Russiagate uh, nonsense, and they kept it going for four years, and they impeached him twice, unsuccessfully. 
in the sense yeah. that they didn't remove him from office. Uh, and so because they convinced people that he was usurping. Usurping their the, power. The legitimate order of things. Absolutely. Usurping the deep state's power. Washington establishment, like I said, that has been running America for 80 years and is totally and entirely unelected. There's no oversight, very little oversight, and Congress is, are a bunch of useless douchebags. Most of them, the vast majority of them, are just, they're just in it for the grift. They're just in it to get re-elected. Yeah. So they can get insider, insider trading info and make some money. And they pander to lobby groups, all that kind of stuff. That, I mean, someone said that they spend, each member of Congress more or less spends all of their term, let's say you get elected to Congress, for that entire first term, the majority, the bulk of the time and effort you put into, quote-unquote, your job, is talking to lobbyists, trying to get them to give you more money for re-election in four years. Your entire focus, as soon as you become a member of Congress, is on... Where are you going to get the money from to, be, to get re-elected in four years? Yeah. And you get it from the lobbyists. And the lobbyists will only give you the money if you support what they want. So it's basically like fascism in that sense. It's, 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 it's an holy union of, of government and, and corporations. Yeah. Uh, obviously corporations are, the vast majority of them are in it for, for their bottom line, for, for, for money. And they want government contracts, which is bilking the population. Both of them bilking the population. The government is the the, the public face of and and the mechanism through which the the public purse, i.e., people's taxes, people's money, people's wealth, is taken up by government and then is dumped onto corporations, who then pass it back to politicians so that they can get re-elected and pass new laws that make sure that the corporations keep getting more money, more public money. The only person who loses in it is the uh, the American people, but you all know that. So, what am I even telling this for? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's not new. I know. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah. Um, Lebanon, well, Lebanon, the the EU. Foreign minister. I have to put that in quotes because the, the role doesn't no officially exist. It's a pseudo legal role. Um, but in the media, virtual reality over in Europe of the government, the EU foreign minister is in Lebanon, apparently trying to cool, make sure cool heads prevail mm. there, especially as, um, you know, at least officially, Hezbollah's said, well, we have to respond to this assassination of a Hamas leader. And you know the Hamas leader that they got was the guy who led, in fact, his signatures on the documents that oversaw the successful release of hostages, Israeli hostages from Gaza ship in, in November. Mm. That's the, he was the chief negotiator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Israel killed the chief negotiator. Mm-hmm. So that's deliberate. Um, yep. But they're telling the international media that he, known he, what his role was. He was the key link between Hamas and Iran. See? Well, the Israeli, he, the, he was the guy. Yeah, the Israelis presented him as the, as the mastermind. You know that term? You know, Khalid Sheikh yeah, Mohammed. Well, everyone's the master, a mastermind. The mastermind of 9-11. Well, he was the mastermind of October 7th. Israel's 9-11. I hadn't even heard that. Oh, yeah. He was the mastermind, Neil. Yeah, believe. Believe it. Um... All by himself, 
And so they, they came up. They negotiated with the mastermind in November to release. Yeah, the of hostage. course. And then you t- and then you t- and they didn't mention at the time that he was the mastermind. No, because you don't want to be negotiating with the mastermind. It's only when you've killed him. That, that he becomes the mastermind. No, that you met, you recognise that he was the mastermind. Yeah. That's why we killed him. Because you have the justification for killing someone, so you can call him the mastermind or whatever you want. But if he was a mastermind, he was a really good mastermind because if he was a mastermind of October 7th attacks, October 7th breakout of the Gaza prison, uh, he also somehow managed to mastermind an Israeli death squad to go in and kill all those Israeli uh, civilians. He's got, the, serious, he's got some serious uh, influence within the That's Israel, Israel, Israel establishment. Putin level mastermind. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the, 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 the biggest development, I suppose, is uh, I, we don't want to even talk about the actual ongoing death toll in Gaza. It's horrible. Um, I don't have any specifics I want to highlight there, but obviously hunger is now the main issue uh, that and lack of there's no hospitals because they blew them all up mm-hmm. and they killed all the doctors um, South Africa has given this 84 page document to the International Court of Justice mm-hmm. that's not bad I mean it's just one country I know but two others have added their signatures to it I think Turkey's one um, this will be heard on 11th which is sometime next week, this week. Um, Israel's worried about it. It's not nothing. The last time this happened reminds me of the... Actually, it's interesting, he was a South African as well. He was a South African human rights prosecutor. What was his role? Was he a UN... Oh, UN um, rapporteur, which just means he's like a, a kind of formal role within the UN as an mm-hmm. investigator. And he produced the report that said Israel's treatment of the Palestinians in cast lead, I can't remember which one, is either 2009 or 2014, uh, constituted war crimes, um, and <clears throat> agreed with the term mm-hmm. used for Israel in general in its treatment of the Palestinians and Israeli Arabs as apartheid. Mm-hmm. Of course, he said African, he would know. And that was... That was bad. It was really bad because, you know, you had the normies everywhere going, okay, well, we can't just ignore that one. Mm. Israel launched an intense campaign. God knows what was going on behind the scenes because the poor man, I forget his name, he was Jewish. He was That's the double irony. He was South African but Jewish. Goldblatt, Goldstein, something. Mm-hmm. The Gold something report. Um, he retracted it. He... I hereby undo everything I just said. Mm. Formally, I just want to make the record clear that I reject every, I reject my own findings. Because <laughs> somebody gave him a lot of money. Goldberg report. Uh, I think it was probably more like it was threatened, but whatever. Maybe it was money. It was a, but it was a nasty campaign, obviously against him personally, but also pressures were brought on South Africa and maybe the UN as well. Here we are, though, again in South Africa. That's like. Oh, someone has got to do it mm-hmm. for the record. Mm-hmm. Now, so what? Because they can just not have, just not talk about it. Mm-hmm. It'll quietly go away, kind of thing. The problem is that they seem to know that that won't be that easy just to ignore it. Um, because Israel, Israel, well, for starters, they're going to send a legal team to defend the case at the 
hearing of some type. It's, it's not quite a court trial, but it's some kind of hearing. Mm-hmm. So the Israeli government will be represented. They're taking it seriously enough for that. It's going to be Plus they are going to um, watch the space. They're going to do some kind of international counter-campaign to try and make sure that this ruling does not mm-hmm. become... A, 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 how do they call it? What do they call it? Prison? Yeah. It, basically, you've got your people on the panel. They're all judges, and they say yay or nay mm-hmm. to a case. And that's it. There is no backup. There's no police. There's no authority to do anything about it. But still, it goes down on, on a record. And it's rare that it happens. They're going to get so out. Israel, Israel will be there, up there with Rwanda, uh, maybe East Timor. Yeah. Who else has had a, an official condemnation? Oh, um, Yugoslavia, probably. Hmm. Milosevic. Or some kind of genocide, yeah. Putin's case is different because that's the other court. You know, he's wanted on a warrant. That's different. Um, <clears throat> anyway. So, it's... it's, it's they're going to be represented... That they're the, going to be represented by Alan Dershowitz. <laughs> he's the man. Yeah. If, if he can, like, still be out there, mm. <clears throat> even though he's all over Epstein's documents... Yeah. ...and court documents... Mm-hmm. He'd be perfect to represent Israel. Just lying. Everyone else under the, under adversity kind of crumbles. Mm-hmm. Israelis under adversity just get really, really good at lying. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's bad. It's patently obvious that they're lying. But it doesn't phase them at all. Because that's what, that's what makes them the special people. The chosen ones. That's an aspect of being chosen. Yeah. Being able to lie repeatedly, regardless of the odds. Um, special chosen liars. Um, yeah, I don't know. The middle that that bombing in Iran. I mean, obviously, I, one one. There's two takes. One take is that it was an attempt to kind of like put Iran on notice and to stay their hand. Let's say because you know we have access to your country, we can bomb in your country. You can't even imagine the other access we have. You know, it's kind of like would make people make a country feel a bit. Concerned and secure, they're trying to find out how this bombing, who did this bombing, who all these people are inside the country, how can they bomb inside our country in a, in a place like this, etc., etc. And then the implications of, is there anything else we're missing here? And maybe it's not a good time for us to try and take any action, you know, that obviously would require a unified response from, from, from the whole country. You know, we don't want any, we've got to make sure there aren't, aren't any, any moles or spies or oh, usurpers within the country. It's you know? a big country. There's definitely a fifth column. No, but in... in, in but No, but I mean in sensitive places. You oh, know? right. In the, in the military. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it puts you, puts, you, puts you on the back foot in that respect. But the other thing it could be is that it's evidence of someone, you know, just maybe trying to provoke Iran. And here you're talking about a kind of... A, uh, again, a fifth element or a fifth column within the Western power brokers who <clears throat> are not operating operating in in terms of overt policy, overt Israeli government policy, or overt American government policy. That there's a deep state, deep cover CIA, whatever <clears throat> uh, group who have the capability and the wherewithal to carry out these kind of um, what amount usually to false flag operations because it's them that do it, obviously. Yeah, but it's used to, it's inserted, those kind of events are inserted into uh, a situation at a very specific time in order to create a, a response, you know. So the same people, if it was that kind of a group of 
group that carried out the bombing in, in, in Iran, then the same kind of group could carry out a similar type of bombing in uh, Tel Aviv and make it appear, let it allow it to be assumed or make it appear that it was Iran. In which case, you can be pretty sure that if there was hard enough evidence and if they ran with it, if they decided to go with it, the Israelis would just, you know, launch an attack on Iran. I'm pretty sure there are people, there are there are <laughs> there are groups, or a, a group or groups of people who absolutely have the ability to, you know, carry out some kind of a an attack, a serious attack or a significant attack on um, Israel, inside Israel, and if they wanted to, in order to provoke Israel to escalation. So, you probably should. We should watch out for that as well. Are the Houthis having any effect or not? I've seen. Do you remember I've, Star I've Wars? I've seen de- decent videos where they show that shipping is stopped, and others that like no, no, it's just, it hasn't really affected shipping mm. much. I've just seen both. Mm-hmm. Well, are they going around Africa or not? Return of the Jedi. Uh huh. Star Wars. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. The Ewoks. Yeah. That's the Houthis. Ah, come on now! This is a serious. They were effective. Is this serious? Remember the big logs? Reveal is a serious news show. The traps show. and stuff. They t- tie two logs up and squish the. <laughs> and squish the the, tra- ad- the transformer. What are they called? The Adat, not Adat, called? Adat walkers. The two-legged ones. Scotty knows. What are they called? Scout walkers. Scout walkers. That's right. Yeah. And traps and and bow different and arrows. things. Bow and arrows and bichuawa. That's the hoodies. So they're effective, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying is they're not they're not effective. They have strong hearts and they're you know doing good, but they're not actually preventing they're, well, they're, ships from passing. They're the, doing. I mean, you saw how effective they were. I mean, when there's a Western Israeli whatever missile defense in operation, they don't get very far. They're sent and they don't have effective, you know. They don't have missiles range. Or, or, or drones, whatever. Precision. Maybe the range, but and the precision, all that kind of stuff. But and, he's, and just relatively, relatively easily taken down by by air defense. So um, that's why they've and fair play to them if they want to, if they want to have an impact. The way you have an impact is to is to land troops on ships. Yeah, and, and to target ships and just create a state of such uh, uh, so a state of insecurity amongst the normal shipping uh, that they stop using the. I see, there's something here, Goldman Sachs. Oil prices may double. Global prices for crude oil will double if disruptions triggered by Yemen's Houthi rebels also affect the Strait of Hormuz. So they're, they're expecting that, you know, because they've been focused on the on the left bank, let's say, uh, to the west of, of the Red Sea, shipping going up into the uh, Suez Canal, but there's a possibility that they could um, mess with... Uh, the Houthis? That's yeah. too far for them, surely. No, it's... Uh, I mean, it's, they have to. Yeah, it goes over, but then there's just a little bit of a man to the right. But yeah, and there was some. We can fire drones, some, whatever. But some boats. That direction. Iran denied the accusation, which I think is legit, that they have much of a physical contribution to the Houthis, because I don't think they can get much to them. No, you know, Iran isn't Russia, for God's sake, or the United States with proxy power. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but in denying that they said we offer of course ideological political support mm-hmm. to 
the Houthis in Yemen and always have. But we deny that we can actually supply them with weapons. Yeah. I mean, but then they can't, they, they, in the middle of their denial, they threaten that actually there is someone else closer to Europe mm -hmm. that we can. They, there's a, a Shia type group, or at least a Hezbollah Iran aligned axis of resistance group in Western Sahara that they were saying could impact shipping coming in out of the Med. Mm -hmm. So far, again, it's still just talk. That's mm -hmm. why I'm wondering how much of this is like still like rhetoric or actually impacting shipping. So the Israelis, for example, the Israeli food industry is warning of potential shortages. Mm -hmm. Is that in case, oh, is it hypothetical or it's starting to impact and it's going to start yeah. snowballing on supply Sh chains? Shortages I don't know which is shortages uh, how of much reality has bitten here. I don't. Well, I think it can. I mean, you talk about uh, a cargo ship full and they're able to identify by different means of that it's going to Israel, it's destined for Israel, and it's, they may even be able to identify what the cargo is. Um, so they can identify the. And I mean, I don't think the Straits of Hormuz or so the, yeah, the, on the other side is, is, is likely, you know, because you do have a man in between. The reason they're so effective on the Red Sea. Um, it's because they're in western Yemen. Right yeah, yeah, there. it's like right off the coast, right? So they can easily target, much more easily target ships. Um, but you could have shortages in Israel if just, if they were able to identify certain cargo ships going to Israel and, that, and those ships were carrying one product or one or two products, types of fruit or whatever, whatever food stuff or commodity. In terms of food stuff, yeah, it could be. But I don't think when they really say shortages, they mean shortages of bananas or shortages of you know certain items, not across the board. You know, mm. um, no, I don't think it really can be affect you know really effectively starved starved out. But the, the Houthis are just trying to make. I mean, that's why I liken them to the <clears throat> to the Ewoks because they're kind of. Um, they're honourable in a certain sense, you know. They don't have a lot of power, but they but they're honourable in, mm. in the sense that they're of all the Arab nations, they're the only ones who are doing whatever it is they can do mm. uh, most effectively. And they've tried to fire a few weapons, a few missiles, and a few uh, drones and stuff without much success. So they, they they focus then on on what is more effective and they can do, and which is a much easier target is to is to is target um, cargo ships and, and tankers and stuff, specifically ones going to Israel. Yeah, in an effort to try and to, to stop. I mean, they don't want to shut down all shipping through the Red Sea. They want to try and stop ships going to Israel to put pressure on Israel. The smart two, the, 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 the US and the UK tried to get them condemned, ginning mm. up support against them in the UN. And, of course, to justify their... Well, we'll talk about their, that in a second. Their operation. Their operation <laughs> Guardians of Prosperity. Mm -hmm. Guardians um, of the Galaxy. Guardians of our prosperity. Well, um, and that was justified as, well, Jesus, come on. You know, international shipping, we're <coughs> upholding it for the good of all, right? Um, the Houthis responded and said, specifically citing the genocide convention, mm -hmm. that is perfectly legitimate to respond to an act of genocide ongoing. In fact, there's an obligation to do so under international law to do whatever you can to besiege, to limit, to push back. Mm -hmm. So they, that, doing what's that was gold. Their at least ideologically and legally, they have mm. a sound defense. I wonder if that's playing into the hesitation to do something about the Houthis. Mm -hmm. um, because it is an honorable cause and is legally justifiable. And okay, it's just the Houthis, but they, they bomb the crap out of Yemen again. 
this time without Saudi Arabia's official support, mm-hmm. there's a serious, maybe they take it seriously, a mm-hmm. risk of other Arabs all across the region going, mm-hmm. okay, that's like Egypt. I don't know. Egypt is, Egypt is kind of like the elephant in the room that's still asleep. You know, someone explained, I think it was... Um, um, uh, the Syrian British guy does does great shows on the updates on Gaza, but he's also got a good handle on the region. Um, Richard Richard Medhurst, that's him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's wearing the cafe. Yeah. And he, he he in one of his condensations about distillations, what's going on? It's like people are asking him, why? The, where is Egypt? I mean, this, he's got population right there on the Sinai, 80 million people, 80 million Arabs. Of course, there are many links to Palestinians as well. Why aren't they doing anything? You know, and he explained that the Egypt has been carefully neutered mm-hmm. since the assassination, probably by CIA Mossad types at the peak of power, right, um, of Nasser. Yeah. Okay. And the famous treaty with Israel, uh-huh. 1980, kind of, I think, arranged under the Carter administration. Since then, it's gradually neutered. And the deal is Israel, not uh, Egypt, is armed to the hilt with American weaponry. You know, it has been. But that, it was kind of like a NATO infiltration. It's de facto NATOized, which means its entire command and control structure mm. is it's like Saudi riddled. Arabia. Like Saudi Arabia. Rid- like Saudi Arabia, riddled with Westerners. Oh, and all Western-aligned ideological types in their military. And they see their role, and al-Sisi is one of them. He's a product of that system in, in Egypt. Their role is just stability. No matter what happens, stability. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're very much internally focused, which you kind of have to be when your population is 80 million. We've seen Egypt erupt 2011 and then again 2013. Mm-hmm. That's what can happen mm-hmm. in Egypt. When you've been overtaken. When well, you sold yourselves out, essentially, yeah. <clears throat> to the West. Uh, that was part of the Arab Spring, and in a sense, it was done to Egypt to provoke, but it was also internal pressure. It was internal pressure, but then it was subverted. Yes. Yeah. You know, people. The Arab Spring was like started off as genuine. People wanting, essentially, wanting a bit more independence and less allegiance to the West. But then it was, you know, the actual outcome was subverted toward to a favourable solution for the West because the West have Western countries, the Brits in particular, the Americans have, uh, yeah, have eyes and ears all over the place in there, you know. Someone in the comments says, I'm sure Egyptian civilians are sending a bunch of stuff through the tunnels. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've seen video of them sending stuff like even just over the walls in broad daylight. I think when it comes down to it, if they really do like follow through on their threats and try to push a million plus Gazans into the desert of Sinai, Egypt will be forced to do something. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that's not ideological. That's in fact consistent with their internal policy, stability. Mm-hmm. Well, great Israel, you've just gone and wrecked the entire agreement because you forced this on us. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, that's a few steps down the line, but uh, these are the kinds of things I think that still factor into why not just blow up the Houthis? America's so big and well, powerful because they're thinking, well, well you can't. This, Americans this, tried this, that. Americans tried to blow up the Houthis to destroy the Houthis for what was it, seven, eight years uh, via Saudi Arabia, 
because Saudi Arabia, like you, like we were just saying, is it's it's military is entirely a creation of of, of the U.S. All they're flying F 16s and F 18s Their pilots are Australian. All, their pilots are from wherever and everywhere. So that I mean, America waged a war against the Houthis for for eight years, uh, not too long ago, and. They're still there. It didn't. So, do you want to really start start all that again? Especially, you don't know. They never know for sure. You know what Iran has actually given them. You know, mm. um, and the stuff they may be saving for. You know, a rainy day. Um, and you don't want to kick off. Do you really want to kick off another conflict? Because it's not about just going and I'm going to just go and whack a mole and it's all done like in two days. I mean, you start something. It's gonna. It's starting. You know what I mean? And it's it's going to evolve and it's going to grow and expand. So. Um, the Americans are really, you know, you know, jittery about the whole thing. I think you know, uh, which is why I think if anything does kick off, it'll be some kind of a fifth column type, uh, you know, um, deep state or whatever you want to call it, um, event that tries to escalate. The escalation that everybody's anticipating. Armageddon. Well, it would be... Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> you, you can't avoid it. This is the, this is the Middle it? Eastern version of mad. It's gog and gog. Escalation in the Middle East means... You know. Well, Iran's got a nuke. I mean, you can't... And I'm, the Americans I'm, know Iran's got a nuke. I'm not nu- even Iran talking about something catastrophic. I'm talking about something objectively catastrophic. I'm talking about Israel being done as a power in the Middle East, militarily. Yeah. And the US having to make the choice at that moment, do we stick yeah. in here there's or do we sail away? There's an awful lot of diplomacy going on to allow Israel to do what it wants to do and try and restrain Israel in order to keep Israel alive as America's land-based aircraft carrier in the Middle East, which has been since its creation in 1948. Uh, America needs Israel and wants to keep Israel there and it realizes that the Israelis are a bit kind of like hot-headed and there's elements there that would you know, want to kind of go... Go, go massive on the whole thing and the Americans are desperately trying to, to stop them but while at the same time satiating not, not, not you know curtailing their bloodlust against Palestinians so they let them to bomb and slaughter Palestinians but they try and tell them listen you know just leave it at that just carry on with your anti-Hamas war whatever we'll see where it goes it's not going to go anywhere good but who cares um yeah, they're, they're finding out about the reality of, of war as well. Like, I mean, you asked at the very beginning about, you know, are the Palestinians, is, is Hamas and the Palestinian militants, uh, are they having the effect that against the Israeli troops that mm. people are claiming? And maybe not as much as people are claiming, but more than the media reports mm. and more than the Israeli sure. report, because that kind of, that kind of guerrilla warfare uh, favors, um, favors the guerrillas. You know, uh, we're... we're you know, air power and uh, overwhelming state power put up against uh, an indigenous population on their own land. And in this case, and most many other cases, moving in amongst tunnels and the ruins of, of the buildings that have been destroyed by Israel. Uh, it, it's, I wouldn't say it, it depends what you mean by favours them. Obviously, you know, 20,000 plus Palestinians have been killed and only a few hundred Israelis have been killed, let's say, or maybe maybe more maybe even a few thousand, but it's still, you know, 20 to 1. So does that mean Israel's winning? Well, it depends. What what kind of outcome did they expect to have? That, that's what determines whether they're winning or not. If Israel wants to present the image or, or thought that they could just go in there and 
uh, bomb and destroy Palestinians with impunity and have very little in the way of casualties on their side. Uh, but they're, they're, they're finding out that that's not the case. You know, they're finding out that that kind when you begin that kind of a war against a what is effectively a guerrilla group, that it's 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 very difficult, and you do suffer a, a much bigger uh, casualty rate than you anticipated. The Americans found that out in Vietnam, which also Vietnamese employed the use of tunnels and all sorts of you know unconventional warfare tactics. Uh, because you know the bottom line is they're, they're searching for Hamas, right? They want to root out Hamas. They can they can level all of Gaza, but if they don't actually deal with Hamas, that's their whole point, right? The whole point is we got to get all the Hamas leaders, all of them, like whatever thousand of them, we got to get them all. Where are they? And where, if you, you where are they hiding? You, you can't in the tunnels, in tunnels underground, yeah, and in in, in buildings because they really haven't destroyed absolutely everything, right? So then the South Gaza, and they are amongst it, but it's like this whole but, idea of civilian civilian. Uh, you know, civilian shields, human shields. Yeah. It's utter nonsense. Like, but these are people from the people. Members of Hamas are members of the Palestinians. The Palestinians are Hamas and Hamas are the Palestinians. When, when you see them in the videos firing, they're, they're wearing, you know, a, you know track, trackies and that. Yeah, and exactly. Hoodie. Exactly. So yeah. that, that whole human shield thing is just, has just always been a bogus load of nonsense. Like, you know, it's like, why doesn't Hamas come out and stand in the open so we can bomb them? Sure, yeah. No, they're going to hide out with their people who are also being bombed. Hamas are hiding in tunnels and in underground bases, etc., but also amongst the, pop- the population because both of them are subjected to being bombed. How, where's the human shield in that? There is no human shield, you know, because uh, the Israelis have made it clear that they think every single Palestinian is subject to being killed because they're all parts of Hamas. So how can there be human shield if everybody's Hamas? As, as the Israelis claim, many Israelis have claimed. And they, the, um, yeah, the problem is if you want to get Hamas, you have to get them from in amongst the people, in amongst their, on their own territory, on their own land that they know very well, with tunnels, underground bases, etc. Uh, and the only way to do that, ultimately, you can bomb as much as you want, but eventually you're going to have to send troops in. And once you send troops in on foot, even in tanks, whatever, the balance, the, the, the advantage shifts to the people who are are from there, the people that you're trying to evict, essentially. And that's been shown over and over again. As soon as you get up close with them, yeah, you're, it's you're always, in trouble. Yeah. They have always advantage. their advantage. Yeah, because they, you're in a foreign territory and, and they're on their, <coughs> on their own territory they know very well. And that's been... I mean, so, you can just look at... There's multi, taken, multiple other similar... That's why it's taken Russia two years to, to, yeah. to take Marinka yeah. or other places. Yeah, to some extent, yeah. But, I mean, that's kind of different in the sense that it's a, a conventional war where the Ukrainians are, are armed you know, with almost, you know, as good or as yeah. as, as, as as powerful <coughs> weapons as, as, as the Russians have. You know, okay, they don't have air power, but in terms of artillery and all that kind of stuff, the Ukrainians have that. The Palestinians don't have that. Any other situation where you basically had a state power trying to go in and root out an, a section of an indigenous population that they call terrorists or they call some, you know, militants, whatever, um, they f- every country, every state that tried to do that found that it was very difficult to do, and ultimately they had to accept something less than the victory that they set out to get. But the Israelis apparently don't, Unless don't give much attention to the victory they seek is actually well, you can, the removal well, of well, the if you can population. get away with it. Yeah, there are there are there are measures that a state power, in theory, can take. They can starve them out. They can seed or so they can allow disease to spread, or they can seed. I mean, I wouldn't put it beyond people to like drop bio, some pathogen or some bioweapon, drop it on them. Yeah, 
But in most other conflicts in the 20th century of that nature, the state backed away from from doing something so egregious because they figured, oh, well, that would be us. Or they did it until as long as they were caught, like the US and Korea. They were doing that. What? In like bio? the 50s, bio yeah. spreading disease. But again, it depends on the size of the population, you know. I think as soon as it started to get back to the US that it was happening, they backed off. Yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. Because even there, you know that your own population well, is against that. Yeah. But yeah. in Israel, they have full support to do it. Well, there's also the element of some kind of bioweapon. If you're talking about some kind of pathogen, you have to be careful. Oh, that, that it won't spread into Israel. Where's that going to spread to? Israel, Egypt, you yeah. know? Uh, so it's, it's not a decision you can easily take um, in terms of... Do you hear that um, up to half a million Israelis have left? Hmm. Probably for good. Reverse Aliyah? Yeah. Since October 7th. That's all the New Yorkers. That's probably part factoring in as well to how gung-ho they can be. Mm-hmm. And obviously the, the stock market's down, the economy's down, it has knock-on effects at home, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on casualties, Israeli casualties, military casualties, um, there's this one from Middle East Eye, but they're, they're citing uh, Israeli as an, an Israeli study, Yediat Avernoth, which is an uh, Israeli um, mainstream paper, um, fighting has disabled, disabled in quotes, 12,500 Israeli soldiers, estimates show. Well, what the heck does that mean? 12,500? That sounds really high. Um, if you scroll down... Does um, that mean that, that, that they don't... They that, say that this figure is a conservative and cautious estimate. The number of cases... Requ- this is how the, what they're going on, the data they're going on. The number of cases requesting disability recognition could reach 20,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um how many of those are, uh, I'm too stressed out to do this anymore. I need to go back to the beach and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. For some R&R. At least 5,000 have been admitted to the department in 2023, including 3,400 since 7th October. Um, so maybe that's just the figure there, 3,400 injured <coughs> Israeli soldiers. Um, yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's an open question, though. I, I, it could be, it could be much higher. We don't know because, and the, like I said, the nature of the of the injury, right? Quote unquote. <clears throat> like I said, Isra- Israelis have no experience of doing this. They have no experience of really of in terms of. There's a sm- small numbers of the Israeli military who have, who have experienced sporadically over the past 20 years, you know, maybe five to ten times, but a small numbers actually going in only for a short period of time into Gaza and and leaving again. They have no experience, really. Apart and the, and the war with, war with uh, Hezbollah in 2006, there wasn't much um, in terms of ground troops or actual direct prolonged fighting there either so they don't have the experience of this and the Israeli government have said this is going on is going to go on for months you know many more months right so they're talking like the rest this year so they don't have an experience of sending in large groups of people they don't have experienced soldiers to, to be able to send in and spend prolonged periods of time in, a, in a, an actual conflict uh, environment so I'm not surprised that until you get that kind of battle hardened uh, aspect within your military ranks uh, that you're going to have a lot of uh, my my foot sore. <laughs> These socks, they, 
socks are giving me oh, are giving me what I call them calluses or giving me blisters. Give me blisters on my feet. I need to go to hospital. Okay. <laughs> I know that's not a glowing report on the state of the the greatest and most moral army in the oh world, but. Yeah, I think it's partly true anyway. It, it might turn out to be not much less brittle than. I mean, they're very good at bombing from a distance. Well, yeah, that's the coward's way, you know. But on the ground, they're more like the, the, the Taliban-y, not the Taliban, the Afghan National Army, mm. to scatter mm. to the winds when yeah, the, yeah. the real fight comes. <laughs> Screw this! Like, <clears throat> yeah. Um, you mentioned 21,000. People have kind of lost count because it seems that Israel has assassinated all the people who did the counting. It could be over 30,000 already. Right? Dead. And Quite possibly, dead. including people who haven't been found from the buildings. He said, no, the Israelis have been just brutal. Like, you know, I mean, <coughs> they're the most immoral army in the world. They're, they're just a bunch of... A bunch of... Uh, Animals, in, in the way that they proceeded they in, 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 in Gaza. I mean, well, there's, I mean, there's strong evidence that in one of the hospitals, it was not Chief, maybe it was El Chief Hospital. Um, they kind of bombed it, and then they went in and knocked down with bulldozers, knocked down buildings that had people still inside them alive, and then just drove over them with bulldozers. I mean, that's you're, you're talking here. I mean, you're and, talking about the worst kind of excesses. What's been going on in Gaza over the past few months it probably eclipses the worst kind of excesses that you've seen in oh, on any any conflict. Um, the only other stories that are comparable are treatment of people by in in camps in ironically in Germany and yeah. Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like you know, this would have been. In fact, Israel does respond to such things as blood libel, hmm. um, which doesn't do them any favors because the reports are from like NGOs like human rights NGOs like Euromed Monitor mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is collecting a lot of reports from Gaza mm-hmm. that the IDF have dug up mass graves to take the bodies out and mm-hmm. back to Israel mm-hmm. yeah Meds and some Frontier have like Dr. Red Borders uh, what what you know, it's beyond it's, it's beyond a war need. I can't yeah, see an actual no. need for it. Yeah, yeah. You but know? that's what happens when. I mean, it's one thing for you to send in like America's done. You know, sure they prepare the ground a little bit with demonization of of a certain population. But when America sends a military or has sent a military into a foreign country and stuff, you know, there's there's always um, war crimes and, and uh, excesses that are carried out. But the difference with Israel and Palestine is you've you have like literally decades of persecution and demonization and dehumanization of the Palestinians. Uh, propaganda along those lines projected onto and projected into the minds of every single Israeli, include, and particularly into the Israeli military. So you military members, so Israeli soldiers have been brought up with a, with a hatred of Palestinians, you know. Uh, and that's, you know, it's... it's that, that happens, obviously, there's groups around the world and over the course of history who have really hated each other, one group or the other, but none of them really have had uh, the, the kind of military power that Israel has, for example, you know, modern military power to then give vent mm. to that in, in such a widespread and destructive way to, to that uh, hatred of, of those people. 
you know what I mean? Usually when you have two people who hate each other, they have to go kind of almost hand to hand and then they finally go, okay, this is, we've had enough, you know, we've all suffered too much here, let's go back, let's leave it alone. So there's a stalemate in a certain sense, but it's, it's I don't know if there's really any other case where you have had this convergence of those two two aspects. One is like a long-term uh, propaganda and long-term hatred of one group by another group and that group that was that was hating, that was instantly, you know, really went to town on the hatred, had the means to wreak wholesale, wholesale destruction on, 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 their, on their nemesis, you know, with that kind of vengeance, you know, without that kind of backing. You know, like when America went into Iraq, the average American went into Iraq didn't hit the Iraqis. Yeah. They hadn't hated them for 30 or 40 years. Yeah. When America went into Vietnam, they didn't, hate, they didn't, didn't know what a Vietnamese was. Yeah. But that's very different from Israelis, Israeli average Israeli soldier and Israeli citizens uh, or civilians' uh, perception of Palestinians. They've been brought up and you know, spoon-fed that hatred of them and dehumanization of them for a very long time. And then when you give them uh, you know, an opening or the freedom to, to manifest that or to enact that level of... Uh, Hatred, it's, you see, that's what you get. That's what you get, yeah. uh, what we've seen over the past three months, you know, just complete disregard for them as, as they're less than human. They're less than animals to, uh, to the Israelis, you know, and therefore you see, see what happens. Savagery. Yep. So. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. That's, that's kind of what I meant it. It's still going on. There's no big change yet, but we'll see. Um, there was a big earthquake. Was, was that in 2024? I think it was New Year's Day in Japan. Mm-hmm. That was a big one. Mm-hmm. Not for Japan, but it was unusual where it happened. <clears throat> Most of Japan's earthquakes happened on the outer Pacific side. This happened on the internal Sea of Japan side. Mm-hmm. Um I did a quick check, and there's been no earthquake of that size there in the modern era. So it's not since 1900. Maybe partly why so many buildings collapsed. Yeah, um, they're just not built on the west of Japan for that kind of quake. Anyway, I I haven't checked recently. I don't think it was. It was this wasn't like Turkey in February last year, which was, it was slammed. I've got 50,000 dead. Um, I think it's like a hundred dead in Japan. Hundred and twenty six as of yesterday. Okay. An interesting start in the new year, a rocky start. Probably going to be more, right? This what, year. What's your what's your crystal ball on quakes? Quakes. Well, this year we're looking at. Um, <coughs> Supposedly, according to some analysis, we're looking at the uh, solar maximum, mm-hmm. at least over the past number of years. There's, um, in the sense of, um, yeah, oh, this sunspots, 
There's a montage. So, so how Sunspot production has pretty dramatically increased. Did I send that to you? Over the past four years. Just that's the there are the actual sunspots as, as viewed by uh, the NOAA National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration telescope. Um, and then if you just go, click, yeah, that's the, that's the one on the right. You can see it well enough there. Yeah. If you just go back to on the left, then that's observed. It's a graph showing observed sunspots. <coughs> um, and the graph, it's showing the actual monthly sunspot counts in white and the predictions in blue. Um, you mean in red? Sorry, in red, yeah. Um, so, and again, the, the comment there, as you can see, is many forecasters believe the solar maximum will co- occur in 2024. That means we can expect even more sunspots this year. So on the, the graph of the four suns, you can expect more sunspots this year, which means some more solar flares, geomagnetic storms, auroras, et cetera, et cetera. And those kind of, that kind of, uh. those kind of flaring from the sun and the, the, the kind of solar, um, the, the particles or the energy essentially produced by the, by the sun that if, if, you know, there's a lot of them that impact if they're kind of earth-facing and they impact the earth. You have those geomagnetic storms and, and auroras, etc. But there's still, I don't think, there's any official science on the extent to which that is correlated with an increase in uh, earthquake activity, for example, or storms, etc., etc. Yeah. How, how it actually impacts the, you know, uh, yeah, right. the climate and also... Um, Directly and also uh, like in terms of earthquakes or increasing storms. So, so what you're saying is there's a chance. There's a chance of it rocking and rolling this year. Yeah, well, it started off already, but people have got quite used to that in a certain sense. I mean, you had, what was it, we were talking, it was like last year was the big earthquake in Iran, 60,000 people killed. Turkey. Oh, sorry, Turkey keeps saying Iran. Yeah. Turkey, but there have been others in Iran. And then just last year, there was one in just about a month ago in China, there was a pretty big one that was quite destructive, killed quite a, few, quite a number of people and knocked down a lot of buildings. So it's almost like they're par for the course these days, you know. People don't tend, tend not to, at least they get the impression that people tend not to really think it's anything special when there's big earthquakes anymore. Um, but all these things are not exactly, not easily predictable, as you, as you well know. Yeah. Um, you got anything on the Epstein? Oh, Epstein. List. About Epstein, yeah. Whatever about Epstein. I mean, it's I'm not, tired of Epstein. It's, it's not a client list, but no, it's, it's got that hashtag on social media. Yeah, it's court documents. It's the same thing. People know. I'm assuming people know what it is. It's just like it's a, it's not it's a nothing burger. It's an everything burger, and it's a nothing burger. Um, p- whatever you've whatever conclusion you've drawn about the Epstein situation, you already drew them long before now. Yeah, uh, the names have been circulated around a lot more now. All you're getting now is from the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, the actual transcripts of what was said by her accusers, um, and mentioning different people's names. Bill Clinton again. <laughs> I mean, at this point, Bill Clinton has been so uh, he's almost as bad as Prince Andrew in terms of the uh, you know the. The, the 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 bad the bad the, reputation the punching bag for all things Epstein yeah like 
the impact of the, the Epstein thing uh, on Clinton or on young yeah, Clinton it has been as bad because you get the impression that he's kind of gone quiet in a certain sense. He just doesn't come out in public very much anymore. He doesn't. Well, he's super old as well. Yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, and it even can extend to Hillary. We use it to right. shut her up too, you know. Yeah. Um, hopefully, because it would be great to shut her up permanently. But um, yeah, Epstein, everybody knows, everybody should know Epstein was Gillian Maxwell, her father, Robert Maxwell, deep in with the Mossad, lots of, lots of dodgy, funny money. The Mossad haven't for decades and decades uh, run blackmail rings and spy rings within the US and in many other countries. That's their their main tradecraft. Their most important tradecraft is basically getting shit on people, putting people into compromising positions and using that evidence then to influence them. And they, they cast a very wide net and just look at the list of names. They cast an extremely wide net. There's like the list, the recent list of names that came out of the recent trial transcripts and stuff was like 90 people, and probably about 66 percent, two thirds of them uh, were celebrities, yeah, were Hollywood stars, right? Yeah, so um, or that brings up a whole other question like about Hawking. Hollywood, right? Stephen Hawking, yeah, he <laughs> come on, I mean, obviously. It's hard to tease out because obviously Epstein was going around contacting everybody and anybody who could yeah. possibly be of use to Israel effectively, Israel's interests, Israel's agenda, the Mossad's agenda. And they were successful with some and not, not successful with others because a number of people, a lot, a lot of those people on those lists just were the worst they can be accused or the only thing you can accuse them of is <clears throat> that they were interested in investing their money getting financial advice about how to avoid paying tax on their on their wealth and stuff, you know, okay, slap on the wrist, whatever. But for others, if you got them in, got them interested and then said, now we've done, finished discussing finance, you know, I hear you're single these days or, you know, whatever. And, you know, do you want to come and have a good time somewhere, blah, blah whatever, you know. Mm. And it's pretty crass. Like it's, okay, we have a picture of you with a girl yeah, you thought she was over 18. She's not. So, super easy. Yeah. Really, if you have the the the, the enthusiasm and the motivation and the means and methods to, to go about it. And where did Epstein get his money from? You know, he, he just appeared on, he appeared on the scene as this awesome financier with billions and billions of dollars that he didn't do anything to earn. Oh, I was trading currencies online. This Wexner guy. Right. And who's he? He's... Wikipedia surface level, he's um, basically, he's Ohio. It's his state. Mm -hmm. the, the, it's his state. Like, he owns it. Mm -hmm. um, who is he beyond that? You know? Well, oh, well um, what's her name? And all the research on linking him and many other billionaires. The Mega Group, M-E-G-A. Mm-hmm. Does Mega stand for something? I can't remember. That's what they call themselves, like, as a clique. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're all Jewish. Mm -hmm. That's what connects them, obviously. Mm -hmm. Les Wexner is a Jew. Yeah, he's a Victoria's Secret guy. Yes. Uh, so yeah, it's the whole special people, chosen people. We're special. We're in the in club. You know, Israel comes first. The Jewish cause comes first. There it's was just stupid, dude. It's just, it's just stupid. It's stupid. But there, was, there was a mad scientist element to it, like. Epstein's ranch in New Mexico had like underground labs and shit and he that's, I don't know it was reported in the press so I don't know what they were basing it on maybe testimonies from the girls who remembered stuff or was there more documentation I can't remember mm -hmm. but 
he wanted to like it was the, kind of like the Nazi Joy Division thing where they had facilities where they'd impregnate the right Aryan women and produce the next generation of the master race yep. except for Jews hmm. yeah <laughs> um in New Mexico. But some of that you have to put down to <coughs> Epstein's own personal derangement. Yes, you know, of course. As well. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. He gets to do whatever he wants because he he's the point man. He's, he's, the, like, he's the gopher basically going out and doing this job basically and he's obviously a, a nutcase, you know. Um, but he's competent at that particular job. You know, he's happy to do it because it's in his nature to do it. But his nature is pretty, pretty disgusting, obviously, and he gets into all sorts of personal stuff that then is brought out and maybe tied to... But it's all, all of a piece anyway, you know what I mean? Because the whole operation is obviously disgusting and despicable, you know what I mean? That the Israeli Mossad would go around trying to get as many people as possible in their pocket, basically, through blackmail and coercion and get them to... At any time they need them, you know, the more the merrier. Get everybody, because you never know. I mean, Hollywood actors... What if we need them to go out and, and make a statement in support of Israel? Hmm. What if I need a really famous Hollywood actor or a bunch of them to make one of those collage montage videos of them singing, you know, we are the world, let's save Israel or something, uh, and let's hit Hamas, and in that way influence, seriously influence a large portion, portion of the population in, in America. So that's why you go after, you know, you, you try and get as many people, because anybody who's of any influence, from scientists to celebrities to whatever, Everybody and anybody, because you never know. They all have dark secrets. Maybe you can tease them out and find out what their, their weak spots are, and then we use them. So it's just disgusting. Uh, it's about control, the whole domination, chosen people, and they're all full of shit. So uh, anyway, <laughs> I think we um, have to uh, wrap things up here. Um, so yeah, I think we will wrap it up here. Uh, and... I'll just say one last thing. Did you know that I'm reading a book about anti-gravity? Oh, good for you. I, yeah. can't, I can't put it down. But um, good one. Good, anyway, good joke. Uh, well, uh, on that amazing uh, joke, I will yes say thanks for listening, watching, and commenting to our commenters. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week, as usual, with another one on. Or take on whatever, like we usually say, nonsense has been going on between now and then. So until then, have a good week. Thanks for watching. See you later. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Can't stop the signal now. Mm-hmm.